Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The night was dark. The city was alive with the sounds of weth revelry, and Grace Millen was looking for love. But what she found instead was a fate more gruesome than she could have ever imagined. Welcome back to our channel, everyone. And as we delve into the case of Grace Millen, we are confronted with the terrifying reality of what can happen when we place our trust in the wrong hands. Her killer, someone she had met on Tinder, lured her into his lair and unleashed a nightmare of unspeakable horror upon her. The details of her murder are too horrific to recount. A reminder of the depravity that can lurk within the hearts of some individuals. But as we untangle the web of lies and deceit that led to her untimely demise, we are left with a sense of outrage and a determination to bring her killer to justice. Join USS as we explore the dark and twisted mind of Grace Millen's killer, a man whose thirst for power and control led him down a path of no return. Our journey begins on the other side of the ocean, in the county of Essex in England. A little community known as Wickford was home to Grace Millen throughout her life. On the 2nd of December in 1996, she was welcomed into the world beat by her doting parents David and Jillian. Grace and her two brothers, Michael and Declan, enjoyed a joyful childhood together as they grew up. Her family enjoyed a prosperous existence as a result of her father's ownership of a prosperous construction company, which provided financial support for the household. Grace received her high school diploma from Senate Thomas More High School before going on to enroll at the University of Lincoln. In September 2018, Xu successfully completed her bachelor's degree in marketing and advertising at the University of Lincoln and graduated with honors. Grace had a part-time job while she was in college to put many down so that she could take a gap year when she graduated and see the world. When she graduated, she did exactly that. Her loved ones characterized her as a carefree individual who enjoyed having fun. She excelled in the classroom as well as the arts and could be seen here at her house painting in her leisure time. Grace truly did have the world at her feet. She had a loving family, an impressive degree, and a whole year of travel set out in front of her. She wanted to make some experiences that would last a lifetime, and then she would launch her profession in marketing after that. But before that, as a sign of the sort of person that she truly was, she chopped off her long hair and gave it to a local charity that specialized in making wigs for children who were having treatment for cancer. This was her way of showing that she was a kind person. After that, she finished getting ready for her trip to Peru, said her goodbyes, and boarded the airplane. Her trip to South America lasted for a total of six weeks. She made some new acquaintances, 
had a good time, and took in the beautiful surroundings on her travels. However, you can only truly say that you have completed a trip around the world if you continue on your journey. As a result, she boarded a plane to New Zealand on November 20. Her adventure began at the northernmost part of the North Island, where she remained for 10 days before beginning her descent to Auckland on the 30th of November. Everything seemed to be going well for her. She wandered around the city aimlessly, taking in the many landmarks and attractions, but she didn't have any specific goals in mind. And because her next trip was scheduled to depart in just five days, she made the most of every opportunity she had. However, it was now the first of December. The beginning of the weekend had just begun, and Grace's birthday would be the next day. Grace, who was traveling alone herself, was using dating apps such as Tinder in order to meet new people and make new acquaintances while she was away. There, she became acquainted with a man named Jess Kempson who was born and raised in Auckland. Jess sent Grace a message on Tinder, and finally he invited her out for drinks. Jessie's responses to her texts at initially appeared uninterested, but she continued to send them. Grace eventually accepted his invitation, most likely due to the fact that she had nothing else to do, and the two of them met up for drinks in the central business district of the nearby city. They met one another in the entertainment complex known as SKY City, which is located in the middle of Auckland. At that location, they gave each other a hug before running off to Andy's Burger Bar for some beverages. The two people's ability to hold a conversation at first appeared to be a bit shaky, but as time went on, they grew more comfortable with one another. Following the first round of drinks, they went to a Mexican restaurant for some cocktails. Jess placed an order for three jugs of margarita and one jug of sangria and he was the one who paid for all of them. The Blue Stone Room will be our next stop. Be by this point, it was clear that the two were beginning to take pleasure in one another's presence. They were observed conversing and joking with one another before they shared a kiss. They started by ordering some beers. Grace was able to communicate with a body from England, while Jess took a short break to use the restroom. Earlier, she had revealed to a close friend that she had heard Jess was an executive at an oil firm and that he was planning to relocate to London within the following six months. Grace was encouraged by why the prospect of developing a lasting friendship as a result of this. Up until this point, the evening had been going off without a hitch. After a few beers, I've established a new body and tomorrow is me my birthday. Would you like to take this conversation somewhere that's a little bit more private? The response was a positive one. They turned around and made their way back to Jesse's flat. The two are seen on the surveillance footage walking towards Jesse's hotel room. He had an apartment in the city and lived just around the corner from where I work. Grace was encircled by Jesse's arm as they walked into the lobby of the building and then into the elevator to go up to Jesse's level. That was the last time anybody from CXCTV would see Grace. It was the final time we would ever hear from Grace, 
and it was a text message that Grace had sent earlier to a friend. The next day was Grace's birthday, and when dawn broke in England, her phone was inundated with text messages and tweets, but she did not get any alerts. Grace's birthday was the next day. The ringer on her phone was muted. Her loved ones and close acquaintances, as well as the media, started to become concerned. Grace's disappearance on her birthday left the resto of the world clueless about her whereabouts, but her friends and family were certain that something terrible must have happened to her. She maintained a steady stream of communication with her friends and family at all times. However, at this point in time, her absence is still a mystery, and the final piece of the puzzle would be that surveillance camera, that elevator, and Jess Kempson. Jess was born in 1992 and spent his childhood in Wellington, which is located on the North Island of New Zealand. His childhood was marked by instability. His parents had a divorce when he was nine years old, and his mother moved away immediately afterward. He was raised by his father. The remainder of his youth was unremarkable, but in 2013, following protracted fights with his family and allegations that he had stolen from them, who finally left the house he had shared with them from birth. After that, he uprooted his life and started over in Australia, where he worked as a worker. Unfortunately, that endeavor was unsuccessful as well. As a result, he relocated to Auckland the following year, 2018. At this point, Jess was on the verge of committing suicide. After he had a disagreement with his former roommates, who were growing increasingly concerned about his mood swings, womanizing, and threatening conduct, he moved into a small hotel studio apartment in the middle of the city. He relocated there after the argument. His former roommates were concerned about his behavior. Because Jess was both a compulsive liar and a chronic fantasist, and because he lied about everything, all the time, he would consistently deceive those who were in his immediate vicinity. He made up a number of false identities, including that of an all-blacks rugby hero, a playboy, an oil executive, and a member of a gang. He said that he was suffering from cancer and that Bafo F. his parents had passed away. He told AFib that he had a degree in law, and he claimed that he was going to purchase a restaurant on the lake. But Jess was not even close to becoming successful. He had been fired from his prior roles as a barman and a sales assistant, and he had lost his most recent work as a telephone salesperson on the very same day that he had met Grace. As 2018 came to a close, he had moved on from a string of unsuccessful employment and shared apartments that he had accumulated over the course of the previous year. Unfortunately for Grace, despite her accomplishments, her skills, and her goals, and despite the fact that the odds were stacked against her, she ended up falling into his clutches. He was spiraling out of control. On the evening before Grace's birthday, on December 1, Jess had really murdered Grace in the room he rented at the SKY City Hotel. The killing occurred late in the evening of that day. Jess was seen on tape BY surveillance cameras as he walked out of his apartment the following morning at about 8 o'clock. And only a few minutes later, at 
he was observed walking into a supplies business on Elliott Street called the warehouse. There, he purchased a huge bag and then wheeled it back to his apartment after his shopping trip. Nothing sneaky here. At 8.32, he was observed once more leaving his hotel room in order to go to a nearby grocery store, where he purchased some rubber gloves, bleach, and other cleaning items for himself. After thereafter, at 10.33, he exited his apartment for the second time, this time getting into a cab while appearing obviously agitated. His destination was a rental vehicle form, where he picked up a red Toyota Corolla and then drove it back to his apartment. Therefore, inspect the baggage, check the cleaning supplies, and check the rental automobile. What should I do now? Shouldn't the body be disposed of, logically speaking? Absolutely not the case with Jess. He, um, met someone on Tinder and they went on a date. To put it mildly, absurd. Jesse's criminal activities were not helped by the fact that he resided in the heart of the city's business district. The following several days were filled with a great deal of activity that was captured on video by surveillance systems. This includes his parking the hired car at 7.30 p.m., bringing the rental carpet cleaner to his apartment at 8.28 p.m., and then returning the carpet cleaner a half an hour later. And then, eventually, surveillance cameras captured Jess bringing two bags out to F his apartment room at 9.30 that same day, and Bafo F the luggage seemed to be completely loaded. Jess moved Grace's body from the house to the car, and then he drove to Kameyu, which is located in Auckland. He headed to a building supply store called Western IT Meem first thing in the morning, and purchased a shovel there. Jess went back home once the body had been removed and disposed of. He went to the DRY cleaners, cleaned the automobile, returned it to the rental company, and on the 5th of December, he disposed of Grace's remaining belongings by placing them in one of the garbage bins located in the nearby parks. It had been four days since Grace had been seen last, and the police in Auckland were actively searching for her at this point. They tracked Jess Kempson down to the Star City Hotel on December 6 in order to interview him there. But at the same moment, Jess was making his way back from a shopping center that was located close. He tried to leave without drawing attention to himself, but was unsuccessful, as so the officers gave pursuit after him as they caught him by surprise when they were in the lobby. Oh, oh peace. He was taken in for interrogation, and his house, which was now being treated as a crime scene, was examined for evidence with the use of a luminol-based chemical substance. They discovered Grace's blood on the carpet in the room. When we returned to the questioning room, Jess was also not performing particularly well. During his initial interview with the police, when he was asked about the places he had been on the evening that Grace had gone missing, he lied about it. However, when he was brought in for more interrogation two days later, he modified his tale to one that did not correspond with what the investigators were assembling at the time. You've made it clear that you're willing to talk to USS Grace Center about the events that have occurred. Is it an accurate statement? Yes. So, 
tell me everything that took place on Saturday, starting from the very beginning. Did you kill Grace Millen? All right, Jess Kempson. You're being arrested for the murder of Grace Millen, the detective said. Jess Kempson was caught and placed under arrest as a result of surveillance footage, information provided by locals, and cell phone data provided by Jess. In the end, investigators discovered Grace's remains in a shallow burial about 21 miles outside OF Auckland in the Way to Care Ranges Regional Park. The site was located around 50 meters away from a country road. The entire country OF New Zealand was in disbelief. Thousands OF people showed up to the vigils that were held for Grace, and law enforcement officials were visibly shaken up by the news. Even their prime minister paid homage. I am sorry that your daughter was not safe here, as she should have been, and I take full responsibility for that. It was discovered that Jess previously had previous convictions for sexually assaulting another British tourist just eight months before the murder of Grace. This information was obtained when Jess was in detention. Jess took his victim out on a Tinder date before bringing her back to the apartment he was renting in the motel room where he was staying. This was a precursor to what he would do later with Grace. She told the jurors about how she had been molested by Jess when she was screaming out of terror as she was laying on the bed. She had been immobilized. She had kept the attack a secret until she recognized Jess's face in the news report that followed Grace's passing. Grace had been her best friend. In the past, he had also been found guilty of committing a number of other crimes against his ex-partner and had been sentenced accordingly. Jess testified that Grace had passed away as a result of their contact and that it was nothing more than hard sex that had gone too far. He stated that Grace had died by mistake. Yeah, certainly. Grace's father, who had traveled all the way from England to be present in court, stared directly at Jess as the investigator read out that Jess had taken photographs of Grace's body and viewed pornography on his phone immediately after killing Grace. The detective had shown that Jess had done both of these things shortly after the murder. The information acquired from Jesse's phone indicated that he conducted repeated searches on the evening after Grace's passing. These searches included looking for rigor mortis, the way to care ranges, the fire with the highest temperature, huge bags near me, and birds that devour me. On the 22nd of November in 2019, a jury decided that Jess Kempson was responsible for the death of Grace Millen. As they listened to the decision, Grace's parents couldn't hold back their tears. Jess Kempson had almost no emotion whatsoever. Further counts of rape, sexual violation, threatening to murder, and violence brought against him resulted in a total of nine convictions against him. And people around here did not take well to that at all. Jess is now at risk of being sentenced to life in prison, with a minimum period of 17 years before being eligible for parole. And it brings USS to the end of Grace Millen's tale. I am going to refer to her as Grace rather than Jess because I think it's important to keep in mind the actual tragedy that occurred here.
The loss of the life of a young, powerful, and accomplished woman who was just beginning her adulthood in what was supposed to be one of the happiest years of her life to come. Snug be why the hands of somebody who doesn't matter. I can even begin to comprehend the level of terror that she must have felt in those dying minutes when she was over 12,000 miles away from her loved ones and friends. A chilling detail in the story is that Grace's final piece of artwork, which she posted on Instagram while she was still alive, was a watercolored skull. She added the phrase, two can keep a secret if one of them is dead, to the image. Did Grace foresee what would happen to her? All for this is not the case. It is strangely coincidental non-ethless. Later on, Grace's father gave an interview to local and international media outlets in which he expressed his wish that the passing of his daughter would not discourage others from pursuing their ambitions and seeing the globe. Indeed, he is correct. You should realize that we can't restrict our lives in order to prevent happening upon situations as improbable and unusual as this one. However, this does not make the passing of Grace any less difficult for her family. The actions that Jess Kempson took are inexcusable. Let's all cross our fingers and pray that he never gets out of his cage. And if you're curious, Grace's family has subsequently become supporters of the non-profit organization White Ribbon, which works to end violence against women perpetrated by males. Thank you for joining USS as we delved into the dark and twisted case of Grace Millen. If you found this exploration thought-provoking, please consider liking and subscribing to our channel for more content like this in the future. We are eager to hear your thoughts on the Grace Millen investigation. Do you believe that justice was served in Jess's punishment? And do dating apps like Tinder provide enough safety measures for both men and women? Your insights and opinions are valuable to USS, and so please share them in the comments below. As we bid farewell, remember to take care of each other and stay vigilant. The world can be a dangerous place but together we can make it safer. Until next time, goodbye.